This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Is this your place? No, 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 no. No, I live with my mom. Oh. Yeah. You hungry? Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we're headed out to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, often confused, by the way, with Philadelphia, Kentucky, for the Podcast Movement Conference. On today's show, we welcome from the Jordan Harbinger Show... Uh, Jordan Harbinger from the Fire Drill podcast, Gwen Mertz from Bigger Pockets Money, Mindy Jensen from Popcorn Finance, Chris Browning from the Clark Howard Show, and from the Poor Not Poor podcast, Joel Larsgaard, and finally, the author of Freelance to Freedom, Vincent Puglisi. We'll be talking student loans, budgets for people just starting out, saving money in your daily life, credit card debt how the Fed matters for normal people, and more. And now, two guys who may or may not have just been seen together in public in Philadelphia, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. It's a little like Groundhog Day. How so? Well, people saw their shadow. They saw us together. You can't do that. You can't see us in public together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Just so you know which voice is which. And across the card table again, freshly backed along with me from Philadelphia, the Mr. OG. I love Philadelphia. Cool town. Only there for about 11 hours. I've decided that from now on when I travel for work, especially when I'm not paying for it, I've decided that I need to have at least one extra day. 
I can't like fly in at night and fly out the next morning. It's just exhausting. What time did you leave the hotel that next morning? You were out at like four <sighs> thirty. Yeah, six maybe something like that. Oh, it's pretty sucky. But I didn't go to bed till like one because you dragged me out. You're like, hey, let's go eat dinner. Hey, let's <laughs> let's have more fun. Hey, we, a friend of mine's coming down from their room to party. Let's let's hang out here and talk we shop. Did, we I'm did like, have fun with Deacon Hayes from the World Cup Wallet. Yeah. We talked mm-hmm. to him. But but more important than that, OG, it was a blast hanging out with some of our friends that listen to this show. It's very, very, very cool. My favorite part of the night was when somebody walked by me and went, Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Og. I'm looking for the celebrities. <laughs> That is and awesome. immediately went to the choose FI guys. And I'm like, right on, brother. Right on. Mr. Og. He he disses you to your face and then, oh, yeah. t- then turns to Brad from Choose FI and he's all like over totally grab my totally grabbed the badge or you know, a name tag or whatever. Like grabbed it and like looked at it and goes, Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Og. I'm looking for the celebrities. Well, and what's funny about that whole thing is that you may think that was a member of our community who was joking because that's a kind of funny joke that we do, but that person seriously had no idea who you were. Which was awesome, by the way. Which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of the night, we barely knew who we were. It was so fun. <laughs> that was It was a great time. And I would mention names, but I'm afraid that I'll forget one because we had so many cool friends that we got to meet face-to-face. So thanks to... Thanks to everybody for coming out. A great night in Philly. And uh, we're going to have news about the Roadshow OG coming here soon. Tickets going on sale very soon. And by the way, if you want to be able to afford to come to that Roadshow, you know what you do, OG? You go to magnifymoney.com. Because when you go to Magnify Money, the average person saves 450 bucks, And since our tickets are only going to be 10 bucks, you save $440. And you'll get to hang out with us in either Orlando, Kansas City, or Detroit, and well, you can come to all three, or come to all three. We'll, Absolutely, we'll, we'll have a. We'll have a uh, how much are the tickets? Ten bucks. We'll have a special deal if you get all three for the low low price of twenty nine ninety nine on sale. How on about sale. that? Yeah, zero percent interest. I got goosebumps from that. But if you're trying to get your credit cards down to zero percent interest, you go to magnifymoney.com. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Not only do they have 0% credit cards there, they also have for people that pay their bills every month in full. They have the reward point games. You can also look for the best savings accounts, the best checking accounts. Over 92% of the stuff available online through banking is at magnify money. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. We're also excited that Emperor Investments supports Stacking Benjamins. Investing can be complicated. Selecting the right equities can be daunting for even the most sophisticated investors. That's why Emperor Investments, a new robo-investing platform, is offering Stacking Benjamins listeners personalized all-equity portfolios free. My favorite F word, free, for six months. Take advantage of this exclusive offer. Head to emperorinvestments.com forward slash SB and select Stacking Benjamins podcast under How Did You Hear About Emperor during sign up. Hey, we don't have any audio from our awesome meetup. You got to come to the meetup to get the audio of that, of us hanging <laughs> or, out. Or Joe needs to remember his recorder. Or one, one, of, the two. one of the two might be right. But I do have a bunch of our friends who have been on the show before and a roundtable that we do whenever we go to conferences. The what are your listeners thinking about roundtable? So tons of podcasters hanging out at Podcast Movement OG. And today's show is going to highlight a bunch of them. But first, we've got a couple headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. And our first headline today 
This piece comes to us from MarketWatch. Wall Street investors can't remember the last time a GDP report was so crucial. Second quarter GDP came in late last week at 4.1%. This piece is written by Mark DeCamber and says, Wall Street just traversed a gauntlet, the busiest week of corporate quarterly results, fresh developments in global trade relations, and a historic stock tumble by Facebook. However, the headliner this jam-packed week might be GDP, the official scorecard of the U.S. economy. And here to talk about this, to kick off our podcast movement episode, my podcast movement BFF from 2018 from the Fire Drill Podcast, my good buddy Gwen Mertz. Thanks for having me on, Joe. It's been so long since we chatted. I know. We just got off the plane. And I didn't stick the recorder in your face like I should have. And people are going to hear other friends of ours talking face-to-face. You and I talked face-to-face a lot, but not about this. We did. We covered a lot of subjects that were not the GDP. Let's start here. And I want to circle back to industry conferences in general, because I think they're important for a lot of people, no matter what industry you work in. But this whole idea of GDP meetings, like if I'm driving down the road right now, Gwen, and I see GDP, and this is super important to Wall Street, or I see the Federal Reserve just met today, is that important for me to follow? Indirectly, yes. Directly, no. But what do you mean by indirectly, yes? The report that came out last week doesn't really have too much of an impact on our daily lives. Like, I didn't notice any change after the meeting was done. But this is going to directly affect us later because this means that the market and the markets are doing well, the economy is doing well. And so we're going to see some interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve in a few months which will directly impact us. Let's talk about those interest rates. What does it mean when the Fed raises interest rates? It means the cost of borrowing money goes up. So your mortgage, your car loan, or even the, um, what are those old things that banks have that people don't really care about these days? Oh, those uh, CDs? Yeah, even CD rates are affected. Kind of. I saw something the other day that said that Bank of America made a bunch of money because Nobody's really demanding that CD rates go up, which is so they just kept it. Isn't that nice? The bank is our friend. So kind, so caring. With friends like that, who needs enemies? But for people out there that have debt, this is a really serious issue, Gwen, because we're in this rising interest rate environment, which means you better pay your debt soon. Yeah. For those people who have like variable rate loans for like student loans, those could go up. If you're in an arm for a mortgage, next time you get another mortgage, it's going to probably be higher. So it'll cost more to borrow money. Let's talk about this idea then. I have an adjustable rate mortgage right now, or I can invest that money. I've got free cash flow. What do I do? Well, I mean, it, it kind of depends on your personal situation. You know, personal finance is personal. Oh, but to you. <laughs> you have to say that at least once an episode, right? Right. Um, But it it all depends on your comfort level with the debt. Like, where's your threshold? Is a 4% mortgage too high for you? Is a 5% mortgage too high for you? We are in the middle of the best bull market in history. Right now, if you can stomach it, it's better to invest it in the market because it's going up. But if you're not comfortable with debt and you don't like having that hang over your head, like I don't, then it would be better just to pay it off or refinance into a regular 30-year mortgage. I totally agree. In the face of a, of a rising interest rate environment, especially, lock that thing in. Even though, Gwen, that might cost people money over the short term, right? Your adjustable probably is lower than what you're going to refinance to if you go to, let's say, a 30-year loan. 
Yeah. I mean, it costs you money to do that. Like what, like three to $5,000, depending on the size of your mortgage and where you're at. Yeah. And the interest rate initially might be a little higher at first, but then you're locking it in and don't have to worry about it. So you and I just spent a bunch of time together at Podcast Movement. Let's talk about industry conferences. Why did you go? Because uh, you said that it was really good and that I would learn a lot. And so I should go. And for some reason, I trust what you have to say. So I went out on a limb and I bought a ticket. And you know what? I really hate to say this is like physically paining me right now, but Joe was right. It was awesome. I was not fishing for a compliment. I promise. I was, <laughs> I totally wasn't. But did you go to industry conferences in your past jobs? No. Never. The only conference that I have ever been to in like this capacity is FinCon. Okay. I think the big lesson is to go because I found no matter what job I've worked in, like the networking, my passion about the job, my willingness to want to wake up every day and meet the day versus just go to work. Like whether I'm working for somebody else or working for myself, it usually is a great, it seems to be a great use of money. Yeah. It did cost a little bit to go and to, to have a place to stay and food to eat, but I won a microphone that costs more than I would spend on a microphone ever. Like I would never have this level of microphone. And so that right there paid for the entire conference, not to mention all of the value that I got out of the information that I learned. But I have to say, people don't know this. Tell how you won the microphone. <laughs> oh yeah, this is a good story. So I go over there and this booth is giving away some stuff. They hand out these little note cards and they're like, let's have a podcast contest. And I'm like, oh no, I live under a rock. I don't know people. I don't know their podcast names. And so they're like, what's Terry's gross podcast name? And I was like, I, I don't know what her show on NPR is called. I, I don't know. So I failed that one miserably. But I was like, you know what? Maybe there will be something that doesn't require podcast knowledge. So then they're like, we're having a rock, paper, scissors contest for this mic. And I was like, oh, I am in. And you know what? I beasted it. Made my way to the top. So the fact that you really are a third grader at heart pays off. I also collect crayons and love chocolate milk. So 100% accurate. That's, I'm with you on the chocolate milk. I skip the crayon part, but I do board games. Is that sufficient? Are you playing like life and sorry? Well, some people say I'm sorry because I spend so much time playing board games, but that's a whole different thing. Gwen from the Fire Drill Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Gwen. It was great seeing Gwen at Podcast Movement. You even hung out with Gwen. For about... 1.8 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, I feel so terrible about those things because there's so many people that you want to spend quality time with and there's only so much time, right? So you're like, Hey, so how's it going? You kind of do the whole thing. And then you're talking shop and you go, crap, there's another person I want to see, but I totally want to respect the fact that I'm hanging out with you right now, but I'm going to go over here now. Uh, yeah, and it, you feel, you horrible. know, it, Right. Feel terrible. Yeah. No, I agree. I think the big lesson though here, OG, is that even though these Fed meetings seem to have nothing to do with your life, that they really do. And you should pay attention. All right, man. I took my recorder around the halls of podcast movement. Yeah, not that right. From fourth grade? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be funny if I was playing hot cross buns? Like walking around. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, no, not that recorder. Not that kind of recorder. Okay. But I caught up with our friend Jordan Harbinger first and uh, some of the cool stuff they've been talking about lately. He gave us an update on some of the cool techniques from guests that he's had on his show. 
I'm talking about exciting stuff with Mr. Jordan Harbinger from the Jordan Harbinger podcast. How's it going, man? It's good, man. I'm at 3.1 million downloads last month. As you and your audience know, I had to reboot in February. So six months in, not too shabby in my opinion. Still got a long way to go. That is awesome, though. That's great news. And you said on our show recently, that's all about your network. And that's important for everybody, whether you're an entrepreneur like you or I, or you're somebody working for the man. Yep, that's absolutely true. I wouldn't say, hey, if you're new and you want to start a show, you should have 3 million downloads a month by month six. That's unrealistic. But me having been in the game for 11 years and having the right connections and being able to reach out to some of the top podcasters like yourself and others to ask for help and say, hey, can I shamelessly come on your show and plug my new one, The Jordan Harbinger Show, then you, know, you have to do that at a certain level to get to, to where you are. And that requires connections and relationships with people who trust you and, and think that it's worth having. I'm surprised you didn't say The Jordan Harbinger Show available on Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever. Right. Or our own very own, no, um, <laughs> or CastBox, who sponsored me to be here. Absolutely. There you go. There, there it go. is. Now we got it. Yes. Well, let's talk about your show. Give sure. us one of the best pieces of advice you've had from one of your guests, because you go much deeper with guests than we do on Stacking Benjamins. Sure. Yeah. I spend an hour with each guest. And one guest near Ayal, episode 48, he talked about traction versus distraction which is kind of a cool little dichotomy. And what he discussed was actually planning time in your day to do things that one might actually be otherwise distracted by. So let's say that we find ourselves surfing Instagram, farting around on Facebook in the middle of our workday. What if we plan an hour after lunch to actually get that stuff done, screw around in our email inbox, do these other things that would normally be distraction, oh. And then we don't have to mess with it for the rest of the day. So it's not, it's no longer distraction. It's actually bringing us closer to our goal and we've planned it into the day. So then you don't have to feel shame about it. You don't have to stay at work for six extra hours making up for lost time because you planned that into your day. So the idea of traction, something that moves you towards your goal or distraction, something that moves you away from your goal or takes you off the path was a really great concept. And we talked about a lot of strategies where he does that, where he teaches other people how to do that. And he's kind of known as the, he's like the guy for focus and the, he actually spends his time with uh, the other side training facebook and software like that how to become more addictive so he's this is his this is his make good i'm going to train people in the jedi mind tricks that i'm training these companies in so they can defend against them essentially it's so evil he trains the dark side how to be darker Pretty much. But then he's like, but wait, I got a whole book for the bright side. And we're like, look, you're not just the good drug dealer now. Okay, Nir? Come on. It reminds me, Dr. Thomas Stanley, the guy that wrote The Millionaire Next Door, also wrote a book for if you're somebody marketing financial services, how to find those millionaires next door. So he gets every piece of the puzzle, which, by the way, is another good idea for entrepreneurs listening. Like, think about not just your thing, but how many different offshoots of that thing that you can create from that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what we started doing at Advanced Human Dynamics, which is my training company, we train executive protection specialists, so bodyguards in verbal and nonverbal communication, persuasion, and influence. We train civilians in the same thing, but it's also the core focus of the Jordan Harbinger yeah. show, neuroscience, persuasion, influence, and nonverbal communication. Yeah. So we have those two sort of branches, one of which is free and the other one which is sort of like behind the scenes, a little more corporate and high end. And you want to be able to do as many of these little niches as you can, as long as you aren't stretching yourself too thin. I love that idea. Aaron Mankey, I was just in a session with from the Lore podcast 
talking about taking your podcast and then all of the other ideas that you have from that. And it, it translates to a lot of different industries. Let's talk about another guest, Jordan. Who else has been exciting on your show? Yeah, I had Alex Coots on the show. His, this isn't somebody who's famous, but he is somebody who is well known in certain circles, especially in consulting, government and things like that. And he is a he's actually a, a negotiation instructor and he'll consult with everyone from the House to the in Senate to Disney all the way down to teaching classes on this stuff. And one of the really interesting bits of advice that he gave that I'd never really thought about is you literally never should say yes to the first offer given in a, in a negotiation ever. Even if you go to a job and you're thinking, well, I want to make 30 grand. And they're like, we're going to pay you 130 grand. You should still say no. And the reason for this is any quick yes is you not negotiating with the other side. There is always, always room to negotiate. And no matter what you're doing, there's always an opportunity to negotiate. And if you don't do that, you're always leaving money on the table. So by saying yes to the first offer, you are 100% of the time leaving some benefit, value, or usually money on the table. So you always say no. Of course, you do it in a polite way. And he explains how to do that in the episode of the show. We did a whole three-part series on negotiation that he uses. And this is stuff he's using in the highest levels of U.S. government, international relations, politics, and of course, at companies like Disney and, yeah. and other people that are using this to make millions slash billions of dollars. So I, I tend to take that advice. But I, w- I would never think, well, they offered me three times what I was asking for. Of course I'm going to say yes. You right. always negotiate no matter what. I feel like I violate that every stinking day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Jordan, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It's always neat sitting next to a guy like Jordan because his brain moves so quickly. I I don't know how that that guy ever has a time when he's not a little intense. Like he's he he is constantly I know the feeling on his game. Somebody said about him the other day, our friend Dave Jackson, by the way, congratulations to Dave. He's a guy that teaches people how to podcast. Dave was inducted this last week in Philadelphia into the Podcasters Hall of Fame. And I know what you're saying. You're saying one of two things, either A, that's cool, or you're saying, I didn't know podcasters had a Hall of Fame. (laughs) One One of those might be correct, but congratulations to Dave. But Dave, when talking about Jordan, he said, Jordan doesn't have a B game, OG. He's Mm, He's just a game all the time. Speaking of a game, we also did a round table at the FinCom booth. Thanks to our friend Philip Taylor for helping us out. But let's go to this round table with our friends, Chris Browning from Popcorn Finance, Joel Larsgaard from the Clark Howard Show and the Poor Not Poor podcast. And of course, the wonderful Mindy Jensen from Bigger Pockets Money. One of my favorite segments of our live podcast from Podcast Movement is always when we do our roundtable segment. And this year is better than ever because we got rid of those losers that have been on past shows. You're right. And we upgraded. So let's go around the room here, our little area at the FinCon booth. We finally, finally have Chris Browning from Popcorn Finance with us. What took you so long to get here? It's the West Coast time zone, you know? No one wants to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, he isn't kidding, because how many? Th- we've talked about you being on the show for a while, and it is the time zone change. Yeah, everyone's asleep by the time I get off of work, so... That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yes, he can't get down to mom's basement in time. And from the Poor, Not Poor podcast, and also from the Clark Howard Show, it's the one, the only, the very tall, 
Joel Larsgaard. Yeah, super tall, ridiculously tall. Uh, people stare at me, and it's awkward. So, <laughs> I want to take my picture with the tall man. <laughs> I get that all the time, and I think it's because I, I look so pretty, but no, it's, it's just because I'm freakishly tall. So, yeah, glad to be here, man. Yeah, I'm glad you're back. Glad to have you back. And Mindy Jensen from Bigger Pockets joins yes. us. Bigger Pockets Money. Bigger Pockets Money, yes. The not tall Mindy Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> not tall, but very fun. Mindy Jensen. Always fun. Yes, and I can't. Have you been on a roundtable before? Once? I have not been on a roundtable. I have been a guest on your show, but you I have, have not been, been on a roundtable. Yes, I'm like I can't. I, and every conference I go to, you are there, so we see each other a lot. Right, and you avoid me. I no, I'm actually really loud, so you're just like she's everywhere. <laughs> That's right. We didn't talk at all about your shows, though. Let's go around and do that because I totally forgot. Chris, tell everybody about your show, Popcorn Finance, because it's awesome. Oh, thank you. So, premises talk about finance and about the time it takes to make popcorn. So, it's a super short form podcast, a lot of fun. You know, just make things that are complicated, simple, and in a short amount of time. Maybe that's why I like it so much because I dig popcorn. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I get hungry every time I hear about Chris's. <laughs> <I'm like>, mm, <laughs> sounds great. Joel? You have a very unique uh, approach also. Yeah, so uh, in, in a similar way to Chris, we want to make you know finance approachable on the Poor Not Poor podcast. And so my, my co-host Matt and I, we uh, pop a craft beer every week. We drink something awesome and kind of expensive usually and talk about how to save money. Uh, so it seems like it'd be like the opposite, right? That you shouldn't do that. But part of our goal is to help people understand that there are some things that it's okay to splurge on. And you have to know what matters to you uh, when it comes to your finances. And it's not just starvation, uh, right? Like not spending spending as little money as possible, not spending money at all. That it's, it's not that. But it's actually, you know, finding those things that really do matter to you. And then actually focusing your time and your efforts and, and your money in those areas. But then saving and cutting back everywhere else. And so how can yeah. we live a rich life now, you know, while saving for the future. A rich and foamy beverage Exactly. <laughs> yes, Delicious. absolutely. And Mindy, everybody knows Bigger Pockets. You guys, Bigger Pockets Money, around for eight months, nine months? Uh, what month is it now? July? Yeah, about seven months. Uh, yeah. We started on January 1st. And we just talk about finance. We Bigger Pockets, the real estate podcast, talks about real estate, but you can't really invest in real estate if you have no money and bad credit, which is one of the top questions that we get on the Bigger Pockets forum. So I said, well, why don't we start a show to teach people how to, you know, fix their credit, how get to there. get better, yeah. how to, how to have money. And your co-host, Mr. Scott Trench, the book, by the way, I gave my kids as a gift for the holidays because I love that book. Set for life. Yes. But he is slightly intense. He is very intense. And it gets even more intense when you realize he's 27 years old. I know. I'm like, what 27-year-old has that knowledge? It's so annoying. I am the president of his fan club because I he's too, so actually. smart. Yes. But yet he's got the jokes of like a 48-year-old man. It's yes. amazing. So, yeah. He is a 48-year-old man crammed into a 27-year-old's <laughs> body. That's a good way to describe him. All right. Let's talk about what's going on where you guys live, your shows, your audiences. One of the things we talked about here a lot at Podcast Movement is how fun it is interacting with your fans. I mean, we had our, our meetup here this week. It was a blast meeting people. The fact that we're not just stuck in a basement. But when you interact with your fans, what are they worried about money-wise right about now? Chris, we'll start with you. You know, one of the questions I get a lot, and it's kind of how I started off the show, was with credit. So we had a lot of people who asked me about, you know, how does your credit score work? How do you improve your credit? What do you do if you have no credit at all? And because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of myths, a lot of bad information about the credit and credit score. So I think that really confuses a lot of people on what they even do with that thing. Well, let's ask you guys, what's the biggest myth that you see with credit? The one I don't ever understand is that 
you have to keep a balance on your credit card. That, that's a great thing to do is keep a balance on your credit card. It's going to make your credit score go through the roof. Just never pay it off all the way. And I, don't, I don't understand where that one came from. MasterCard. That's where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> keep a balance, especially if it's 21%. Joel, what's the biggest myth you've seen? I think the biggest thing people don't understand when it comes to credit is probably credit utilization ratio. It sounds like this big term that's nebulous and hard to put your finger on, but but really, when you look at you know the overall credit limit that you have, like you've got a credit card, let's say with a twenty thousand dollar limit, your credit score is going to be best served if you're only using you know a few thousand dollars of that overall limit. So having high limits is is not a bad thing. A lot of people are like, well, oh man, what, if I have a high limit, then it's not going to be good for my credit score. But no, it's actually better to have a high limit and spend less every month. You know, pay them off every month, right? That doesn't yeah, help your credit exactly. score either. Yeah. You know, but then yeah, only use a small amount of the available credit you have, and that's actually going to be the biggest rocket ship to moving your credit score up. It tells you that you're credit worthy. It tells, I mean, you're trustworthy. I've got all this money available and I don't spend it. And I only use small amounts every month, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's one of the best ways to improve your credit right there. Mindy, how about you? So people will decide that they want to pursue financial independence or, you know, whatever. And they're like, I'm going to get rid of all of my credit cards. Mm. That's not really a good maneuver. You know, obviously, if you're never using that Victoria's Secret credit card, you can close that. But if that's the credit card that you've had open the longest, your length of credit history is also a factor in determining your credit score. So you want to keep whatever is your first card, even if it's a, some garbage card. You not that Victoria's Secret is. I, I was say I use mine. I use mine all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. But if it's some card that you're never going to use, if it's still open, keep it open to have that length of credit history as long as possible. But is that a problem? Does that, Mindy, to your point, though, do you guys think that people hear that one all the time, keep the credit open? And do you think that causes problems with people that can't handle money? I think, it, I mean, it can. I mean, it's a great recommendation because, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. You need to keep that credit history open. But there, I guess there are people out there who it's just way too tempting. I've seen people just take their credit card and freeze it in a block of ice and, like, throw it in, <laughs> throw it somewhere in the back of the freezer. So it's like, I don't have to close it, but it's so hard for me to go use it <laughs> that I just don't have to worry about it. You kind of forget. You always feel stupid when you got the hair dryer out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm not talking about leave every single card you've ever opened open. Yes. Just, you know, you definitely want to leave your first one open. And then, you know, it, it like, Joel was saying credit utilization. If you've got 27 cards and $100,000 in limit, that's great, but maybe you don't need that much. Maybe you only need $20,000 in limit open because you're using that $3,000 every month or whatever. You want to keep the longest one open and then keep a few open. You don't want to just close out everything because then you have, what, a zero credit score. Right. And if it's too big of a temptation for you, I think closing a card would be better than racking up debt that you can't pay off, right? So, exactly. So if we're talking about that, I think a lot of you know money is personal, psychological, and if having that credit card in your possession, even though it's good for your credit score, is going to cause you to go charge it up too much, then that's not good for you. And and I think we know, even probably as us sitting here who think about money a lot and, and care about helping people with money, that it is sometimes easier to spend when you're using plastic than with cash. That's like psychologically proven. And so if it is harder for you to have the plastic in your wallet or your purse, uh, then you should really consider you know, cutting it up or uh, maybe closing the credit card because it's worth that dip to your credit score 
in all likelihood than, than not being able to pay your bills and paying 22% interest on that money every month. That's true. It's very true because you have to kind of know yourself. And I don't think we give ourselves enough time to really think about how we feel and how we relate to money. And I think that's you're going to need to understand how you relate to money, what are your temptations, what are your limits, mm -hmm. and really adjust your financial plan to fit your, your style and how you think. There's like a buy the book answer and then there's like a how I actually live kind of answer, yeah, right? Exactly. So. Right. And even just cutting up the card, like you said, that will allow you to not use it, but you haven't closed out the account just because you cut up the card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I love that. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> everything else has been horrible. That was great. <laughs> Joel, what's your audience saying? Yeah, so we've had questions recently about you know, saving for a kid's college. And so listeners that are in their you know, late 20s, early 30s, starting a family, and it's like, hey, should I be saving for a kid's college? Obviously, the, the cost of college are astronomical. The amount of debt people are taking on, kids are taking on, uh, and parents uh, for their kids going to college is astronomical. And so uh, many parents or soon-to-be parents feel like they are doing their kid a disservice if they don't open up a 529 account. But a lot of people end up starting a 529 plan without you know, maximizing their own retirement plans. Little did they know, there are a lot of ways to pay for college, but there's really only one way to pay for retirement, and that's what you're going to save in your 401k or your IRA or your 457b, right? So I would say you know, make sure you're maximizing those things available to you, and don't feel the guilt to save for your kid's college just because that's what you know, you're a bad parent if you don't, right? Just uh, because they're going to write a book and blame, they're going to blame you either way. <laughs> right, exactly. But but they're going to blame you even more if you don't have anything safe for retirement and you try to go in and move in with them when they're like 40 <laughs> and they've got their own family. That's worse. They'd rather have the college debt than you moving in with them. So yeah, take care of your own retirement first. OG and I have run some of these numbers, and for most people, a state school depends on where you're at, but an in-state school could be. 350 to $450 a month from the time they're born if you want to pay for all of it. That's like a car payment. You pay the 18-year yeah. car payment. Yeah. Chris, where do you find an extra $400 in your budget? I mean, that could be really hard. And I, I've heard a lot of recommendations on you know how to be more frugal and how to cut back. But I think the thing I always come back to is increasing your income is going to be your biggest method of finding that extra money because you can only cut so far. You can only eat so many bologna sandwiches before you're like, I, I can't do this anymore. So, you know, whether it's doing something that's like a traditional side hustle, like a, like an Uber or a food delivery type of thing, or maybe you're going to do something online. You know, there's, there's so many ways for us to make extra money now because of the internet that you have a lot of options. So I, I always suggest people try to make some more money in different ways you can because you always have time. There's some time hidden there that you don't think you have that is available and you'll probably enjoy life a little bit better if you can make a little bit more money than to cut out everything you enjoy in your life. Where do you stand on that, Mindy? Are you more of a make more money person or cut expenses person? Well, I am more of a cut expenses person, but only because I think that so many people have so much they can cut. Obviously, there's going to be the person that can't cut anything else. But for the most part, you know, you have a cell phone that costs you $150 a month. Well, why? You've got Ting and Republic Wireless that are like $10 a month or whatever. There's, there's a lot of different ways to cut your spending. You just have to look at what you're doing. So I would recommend, you know, a two-pronged approach. Yeah, you can cut your expenses. Expenses, but you can also make more, and then that's how you can find 
money for college. But I was actually at a family reunion a couple of weeks ago, and my aunt, whose daughter is just going into college, was telling me about all these different resources that her school had, her high school had, for getting scholarships. And my cousin spent a lot of time preparing for these scholarships and applying for them. And like every time a new one would pop up, she'd just apply for it. She had a system in place. And she got a lot of money. Her entire freshman year is paid for. Part of her sophomore year is paid for. You have to put a little bit of effort into it, but there's a lot of ways to pay for college besides you skipping your retirement planning. Some of the best advice anybody's given on this show, we had a guest, Natalie, the savvy financial Latina on. And she said once she got that first scholarship, she had to work her butt off for that first scholarship. But once she got it, then she could tell all the other scholarships she was applying for that she was already a winner. And she said it was like she didn't have to she didn't have to work so hard anymore. All of a sudden they started flowing because people like people who are already verified successes. I mean it's sad, but yeah. but she ended up going from a little money to a bunch of money just by working for that first one. So, and w- which also says don't stop after the first one. Yeah, don't stop after the first one. It's right. not like you just get one $1,000 scholarship and that's all you get. You can get as many as you want. Like people want to give money to people who already have money, they're also not talking to each other. They don't know that you already have $1,000. They'll give you another 1000 Like They don't know until you tell them. And applying for a college scholarship, you have to write an essay, typically. But it's, you know, 500 words. Some people want 450. Well, you take that 500-word essay that you already submitted, you tweak it a little bit, and you submit it for the next one. So a bunch of work up front, not as much later. A bunch of work up front. And then they had this system where my aunt would say, okay, we need letters of recommendation. We need, you know, your transcripts. And you need a 400-word essay about X. So she'd go through, okay, I've got this one. It's 500 words. I'll tweak it. Now it's 400. Here you go. And she would submit it. So the process to apply is really not that hard hard, it's not that long after you get it down. The first couple are going to take you a while, and then after that, apply for everything. Yeah, one, one more thing I want to say, too, is that 17, 18-year-old kids, man, their brain's not even fully formed yet, so don't let them pick the college they want to go to, parents. Like, <laughs> have that discussion over and over. Start when they're 15 and 16, thinking about, you know, hey, this is like where we can afford to send you to school. We have to have that conversation with our significant other in every facet of life. Like, can we afford this trip? Can we afford this car? And we have to start setting our kids up to understand the reality of money, and this is the perfect time to do it. When they're getting close to going off to college, like, hey, we can't afford to send you off to this, you know, private school in another state. It's just way too much money. Right? You got to know kind of how smart that where they're at, right, in their life. And I don't know, Joe. You have older kids than me, so you might think I'm a fool for saying this. You probably do. I was going to say. I was just going to say that Joel's sitting his two-year-old down I know. talking about this right now. I know. I'm just I realize am, she knows. I'm doing that. I am talking to my girls. They're 11 and 8. I'm like, ooh, you want to go to the Colorado School of Mines? Yeah, and that's the so only cool. college that's there. It's the coolest school. Well, you're just really setting them up to start thinking about some of those big issues, right? It's a conversation and it's not like this authoritarian rulership over your kid's life, but it's saying, hey, like these are the trade-offs for, and and here's how this debt's going to impact you, you know, over the coming decades and just helping them think through that as opposed to just that college looks cool, mom and dad, and I, I think I want to go there. So I think one of the things that you pointed out is Wait a saying, minute. I can't... Were you just raising your hand? Well, thanks for calling it out on audio. <laughs> Nobody can see that if you don't say something. Was that like, I want to talk next? Yes, no, I just never I had anybody... Under- That's pretty cool. I've okay, never had Mindy, anybody... Your turn. I'm sorry, you don't have any polite people. Uh, Thank Mindy, you, Joel. you can speak now. <laughs> what you said about bringing into the conversation early, we can't afford that. 
there's a lot of shame around this sentence. We can't afford that. That shouldn't be there. You don't have all the money in the world, Joe. So there are some things you can't how, afford. How do you know? I know. You don't know that. I broke into it. your. I broke into your computer. Into the basement. <laughs> I broke into the basement. I cracked open the files. You all the bitcoins in the basement. Oh well, okay. Then I'm really breaking into your basement now. All the bitcoins. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you don't. You can't afford everything. Right. No, I agree. You can afford anything. You can't afford everything. Who's, somebody I know says that. I know. I'm not sure. If only somebody said that. <laughs> Chris, how did you decide where you went to school? I went to a state school, and I think I got in like right before the the bubble, I guess, started blowing up and prices got crazy. My, my whole four years of college cost about $12,000. Oh, that's awesome. And the year I graduated, tuition doubled. And Holy so I, I got out like just in time. So I'm, I was very fortunate to be able to have my parents that were able to help me because it wasn't, I mean, $12,000 is still $12,000, but they were able to help me pay for it over the course of, you know, four years. So it wasn't as overwhelming. So I don't even know, you know, what it'd be like now going back to that same school. So Chris's advice, buy a time machine. Yeah, go back in time. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> done. We're done here. Mindy, what are your listeners talking about? My listeners are talking about just getting started. We're a newer show and we're piggybacking off of the real estate podcast. So I'm kind of introducing the concept of financial independence to a whole new group of people. They're interested in it. They want to learn more. They want to learn how to get started. So we're talking about tracking your spending. I mean, if you're going right back to the very beginning, you need to know where your money's going so then you can know where to send it. You, you, everybody spends too much, or most everybody. You're probably perfect, Joe. Right. But everybody else spends too much money. I'm well, raising my hand. how do you know I'm going to punch you? <laughs> how do you know that your spending is aligned with your values if you don't know where it's going? So first step is track your spending. Second step is reduce your spending. Wait a minute. Let's, if you can remember the steps, I want to stop on the first one. Okay. Because track, what do you use to track your spending? Quite frankly, I am old. So I use a notebook on the table. Uh-oh. Right when I walk in the door, there's the notebook saying, hey, remember me? You have to put all of the money that you just spent in me. I'm older so, than you. I use an abacus. Okay. No, perfect. I, don't. I engrave in stone tablets. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Chris like, is like, I use an app. <laughs> uh, I do. <laughs> I'm more I'm more old school than you. Oh, Chris, you're so cool. That you're so cool. Apps. I used I use an technology. abacus before everybody did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I use Clarity Money. I don't know what. What do you use, Chris? Uh, I've been using Mint for years. I, I I just picked it up. You know, right? I think I don't even know when I started using it, but. It's like you get locked in, you really like it, you get used to the system, and that's just been what I've been rolling with all this time, and it's worked well for me. Yeah, so I use Mint, too. I love it. I love being able to see everything in one place, get a snapshot, too, of like the total amount that I've got in the accounts and you know, the total amount of uh, you know, where I'm at on my credit cards that month, you know, it, just to kind of see that snapshot and then be able to see every single purchase that I've made because pretty much all my purchases, right, they go on plastic. <laughs> and so it's good to see all that stuff in one place. And then we kind of transfer everything over to a Google spreadsheet at the end of the month so we can kind of track month to month then at that point. But we use kind of Mint as that base place where we can see everything. When you say spreadsheet, I realized, I, I said I use Clarity Bunny. I also use Tiller. I've been playing around with Tiller the last couple months. Yeah. And I really find myself spending more time with Tiller lately just because of the spreadsheet thing where yeah. I can, I'm a guy that wants to dumb it down more and more and more. And most people use spreadsheets so they can make it more and more advanced. I like the fact that with Tiller, I'm like, yeah, I don't want that granularity. Let's take it out. Like if I could do that on Clarity Money, I'd take out even more stuff. So... Interesting. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think most people are like that too. I think people want simplicity when it comes to money. And so many financial gurus and people have made it so hard and inaccessible to figure out, you know, 
how do I track my spending? And we make it this multi-pronged, really difficult thing to do. And so anytime we can make things easier for people, and some of these apps are one of the best ways to do that. The apps are just so simple to attach your account so that you can see everything in a snapshot. I've heard great things about Tiller. I haven't tried it, so I definitely need to get on that train. But yeah, any way that we can make things simpler for people, because you know we all have busy lives, families, kids, friends, neighborhood cookouts, all those things going on. We just don't want to think about our money all the time. So yeah. any way that we can help people figure out how to do it simpler, is, I think is great. Which is what I like to Mindy's point. I like the fact that you kind of have a system. You come in the door, it's on the table. That's the first thing I do. It's like, take it off your boots. Exactly. And that's why I have that right there, because I will forget. I started this back when I was a stay-at-home mom, and I've got two little kids running around, pulling me in nine different directions. When you walk in the door, you've got your hands full of groceries, and the last thing you're thinking about is writing down your spending. But as you walk in, it's right there. You have to purposely ignore it in order to ignore it. And I've got a pen there, and it's, it's real easy. What's the date? How much did I spend? Where did I spend? And what did I spend it on? It showed me that I was going to the grocery store every single day. I'm just picking up one thing. Well, whoever goes in for one thing. You might go in for one thing, but you come out with a whole bag. If you do that every single day, your grocery spending is going through the roof. I read this book about going to the grocery store once a month, and I'm like, well, that's not enough, but once a week. I I limited it to once a week on purpose, and I never would have made the connection because I drove past the grocery store on my way home from the gym. I just stopped there. It's just a thing I do. You know, you, you talked about it's right there and you can't avoid it. I put my running shoes there every day and I find a way to still avoid them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can avoid my running shoes forever. I, just, I still find a way. Like, no, running shoes, I'll be back tomorrow. It is true. There are these little things that you can do that set yourself up for success, though. And something like laying out your running outfit, you know, before you go to bed yeah. the night before and setting your alarm. There's a 90% chance that you're going to run the next day if you do that. And there's a 0.2% chance you're going to run the next day if you don't. Right. So, yeah, setting yourself up for success like with what Mindy does and laying out your running shoes, those are good things Good things to think about, You know, ways to, to set yourself up. And I think, too, question everything that, that you spend money on. When you sign up for Mint and you're pouring through your budget, always look like I think it's good to, to sit down with your significant other, with yourself or a friend even, and maybe think about, hey, what's really important to me? Write those things down. Then when you look at that you're spending, it's so good to see, hey, does, does where my money is going every month, does it match the things that I really care about? And so I think that's a really good exercise for people to do because they might find, man, I'm randomly spending a couple hundred dollars a month on clothes. I don't really care about like looking different. Or I, you know, and that's a really good way to assess the and situation. And that goes back to the beginning of our conversation, Chris, what you said, does your spending meet your values? Yeah, exactly, because you don't know until you really look at it. And yeah. I know for us, I guess we're valuing food a whole lot because <laughs> <laughs> I was paying for a house worth of food every every month. It was like, well, I think one time we checked our budget and we spent like $1,200 on food in a month. And oh, I'm like, I'm like, I am coming happen? over to your house. <laughs> it was, I don't, we did, there was nothing in the cabinet. I think we were just eating out. It was, it was horrible. I, was, I felt like sick when I saw that number. I was like, this makes, this makes no sense whatsoever. I don't even remember eating food that felt like it tasted 12, like $1,200. So. But that's cool. It's, it's funny because at the start of it, it's like going to the dentist. You don't want to go, but afterwards you feel so damn good yeah. that you did. Like when you finally look at it, I bet you felt great. Yeah. After I got over the shame, I was yes. like, you know what? <laughs> right. I can make a change now. And it was like amazing once because I felt like our budget was always out of balance. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I, I, we have a budget. We looked at this. This is what we're going to do. But somehow, you know, money just finds a way to flow out of your pocket. And once we, we realized that's where it was going, we could really sit down and say, all right, 
we're going to take out cash because we can't trust ourselves with a card, and this is going to be our food budget. And after that, we it, it helped so much get things in order, and we, we had all this extra money that we didn't know where it came from. So I like that you said shame. Yeah. There's a lot of people who don't even look at how they're spending because they are they know they're doing it wrong, right. and they're ashamed. Like the ostrich hiding your head. You're not going to change your spending just because you're not looking at it. You still need to look at that and you swallow your pride and just take a good look. Oh my goodness, I'm spending $1,200 a month on food. Oh, why? Oh, because I'm going out till dinner. Well, maybe I can stop that. Maybe I can do a little bit of menu planning or meal preparation ahead of time. And, you know, it's small tweaks to your life that change your financial situation. And I think most people don't think that they have the power to change their finances or their life. Like they feel like life is happening to them or, you know, their lack of budgeting is hitting them in the face, but they don't feel like they have the power to go out there and change it and, you know, make positive tweaks and changes to that that are going to influence their life for good. And so I think yeah, people need to hear the message that they can change things. And the thing that you're struggling with right now that feels really difficult or that, you know, that look, like, look at your food budget and then realize I can do something about it. You know, you can change that. And people feel like, and I feel like that there's like a cultural message almost right now going out to people that's like, you can't change things. This is the way things are. And I think obviously there are people dealing with difficulty and there are things that do come up that aren't your choice, right? But, but we do have a lot more personal choice over our lives than we think. And I, I think that's a good message to convey to people too, because, you know, download the budgeting app and then start writing it down and start having those conversations. You have the ability to do that. It's funny as you're talking, I think about more and more in my life why Vicki Robbins' book, your, your Money or Your Life, we're having this philosophical conversation. And really it's different than a lot of books that it's all philosophy. I mean, the book is just starts with your values. What do you want to do? And I was, I was very surprised, you know, to dig back into that book that I'd forgotten until recently with the new edition of it, like how exciting. I don't know if you guys have read Your Money or Your Life, but it's, she has this cool ratio called uh, how many units of joy do you get per dollar spent from that thing? And I love this idea of units of joy per dollar spent. I just think that's a great ratio. And we don't think about that enough. Yeah, because so. I, I remember like for a long time, my biggest struggle with money was buying things just because they were a deal. And so I would have you know a pair of shoes or a new pair of pants or something that, that with the tag still on that's it. because you work for the guy that knows all the good deals. I know. <laughs> and so I was like, if it's a good deal, I should buy it. That's and, right. and then I just realized I had all this crap and it was cluttering my room and, like, and shirts that I had never worn or wore once. And I realized I didn't really like them, but hey, it was only $8. But when you're talking about units of, of joy that it brings me, that $8, man, I'd, it'd be much better spent somewhere else. And so, yeah, I, I try to try to question everything that I buy now, be a little more thoughtful and, and even give myself, you know, a time delay to buy something. So, all right, th this is something that I know I want. I will shop for the right price. But sometimes it takes me weeks or months. But but that's just something. And th then I know that I really, really do want it and yes. worth spending money on. I used to question everything, but negatively, like, do I really need that? And then it became this negative cycle. But when I reframe it to how many units of joy does this give me? Yeah. It's like this beautiful, I don't know. It's like vocabulary, language is everything. Yeah, the way when you change your mindset, how you think about anything that's even like everyday thing you come across all the time, it can, it can shift your perspective. Yeah. And I know even talk to someone about like the financial independence movement and thinking of it in terms of the freedom that you can have later in life by deferring some of the things that you want now. And it's like, well, I can give up some money now for, <laughs> for the ability to go and, you know, retire a little bit earlier. Or, you know, I don't need a new car if I can, you know, stop working soon. So it's like, yeah. you know, balancing it out. Mindy, we, we stopped you partway through. I don't 
you were talking about tracking your expenses. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. okay. And then I'm reduce sorry. your expenses. We went on such a long tangent. I know. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> well, I just wanted to stop because I was worried about apps, and then we got into philosophy, which was fun as heck. But okay, so the step one is track your spending, and step two is, you know, review your spending after. You, you can't track your spending for a day and be like, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing. You need to track your spending for a month or two to really get a feel for where your money is going. You know, as you're tracking it, you start to see, oh, wow, I'm going out to the grocery store every single day. Well, I don't need to do that. So you start cutting back naturally anyway, but then you sit down and you really pour over that and make sure that it aligns with your values. And I don't need to go out to dinner every night of the week. And I know people who do that every night of the week. Maybe you're a foodie, maybe you just don't have anything at home. Well, how do I stop that? You need to start being more conscious with your spending. I have a friend who he and his family, three daughters, they go out not every day of the week. They go out every meal. I know people like that too. They're wow. not retired. Do you know how bad I'd feel? I just, every time I talk to him, I'm like, I would, I just, I wouldn't feel that good. Eating restaurant cooking every day. Just, I don't know. There's something too. I love going out to a restaurant every once in a while, right? It feels special then. It's like a joyous little celebration or something. And if I went every day, man, it just, old hat, whatever. Totally gets rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. I was going out to eat all the time, but I never got tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, like, I'll accept that challenge. (laughs) If someone wants to fund this, I will will do a test. (laughs) I'll report back. We'll start a GoFundMe, Chris. We'll make that happen. (laughs) Well, thanks for playing today, guys. Let's talk about what's going on on your podcast. Mindy, what's happening at Bigger Pockets Money? Uh, We're continuing to find really awesome guests who can share their story of their journey to financial independence and also people who can share tips and tricks for how you can get there. Uh, We just interviewed Nick Loper talking about side hustles, how to increase your income. Great episode, really great guest. Um, And we're just continuing to talk about the financial independence journey. I love Nick and he's usually a guy I see all around here. I'm sad he's not here this year. I was really surprised to not see him here too. Yeah, what a great guy. We'll we'll link to all these shows, by the way, on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Joel, what's happening at Poor Not Poor? Yeah, so the latest episode we recorded, obviously while drinking a beer, was uh, about micro-investing apps. And so we kind of give the down low on... I thought it was micro-brewery investing apps. Oh, that, you know, when those come along, I will will tell our audience about it. (laughs) Yeah, I want to know about that too. (laughs) We go kind of through a a few of the different micro investing apps like acorns that kind of thing like acorns m1 robin hood and uh, we kind of you know give the pros and cons and then the pros and cons uh, to micro investing in general and then kind of some thoughts about how you should be investing there are some pros to the micro investing it's really cool anybody can get in but then the, there are also some downsides that you need to be aware of and so yeah we discussed those on the latest episode yeah but this fintech movement with all these little things these cool i don't know man i love the shiny objects that are coming out that most people don't know anything about yeah i love it too and and some of these specifically some of these micro investing apps are so neat and they democratize the system that anybody can start investing where it seemed impossible before right like oh well i don't have a 401k through work i got to go to this like giant company and try to set up an account as opposed to just downloading an app and putting 500 bucks in and getting started. Bam. Yeah, but but then the other downside, one of the downsides is that you can uh, be day trading, you know, in minutes. And that's a terrible way to, to invest. So, uh, yeah, there are definitely some pitfalls. That's. I'm glad you brought that up. Day trading is, is not good. Well, and I think I prob- just wrote that down. I really think that's how most people <laughs> are actually going to use those apps, too. I, yes. It's amazing you can get yes. you know, uh, fee-free exchange-traded yes. funds, but a lot of yes. people are going to buy you know, 62 shares of Snap, and then it's going to dip you know, 20%. They're going to sell it, and they're going to buy something else. Because and- it's free, they'll sell it. Right. Because yep. there's no barrier. Yep. Yeah, I totally yep. agree. So, See, I'm making fun too early. <laughs> <laughs> so turn it around on me. 
and now I feel ashamed. Chris, I'm glad we finally got you here, man. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. What's happening at Popcorn Finance? So the, one of the latest series I've been working on is uh, something called Investing 101. So it's uh, a way to kind of talk about investing from the very like basics of it and from you know using language that's really simple, easy to understand. So like, what is a stock? What is a bond? Uh, what is a mutual fund? What is an index? Things like that. So that way, these terms don't become so scary and it pushes people away. Because I think you know it's like hearing another language. Like I don't know what they're talking about, so I'm not going absolutely. Over there. I mean, we threw around 401k, 529. You know. Yeah. I mean, all these, what the hell is any of that? Yeah, all these numbers and acronyms they throw yes. at you, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. So my, my goal was to be able to provide these like little episodes that were resources that someone could listen to, pick it up and say, okay, all right, now I know what they're talking about when they say a bond. And I, now I know when I look at my 401k plan at work, what this is. So that's my goal. We just finished up one on, um, it was a guide on how to buy stocks. So a beginner's guide to buying stocks. So if you've never actually purchased stock or opened a brokerage account, it was kind of explaining what that is. So when you hear those terms thrown out, you know what they're talking about, what they're referencing. And so it's an ongoing series. I've kind of had it going since the beginning of the show and you know I try to build as we go along so that way it's kind of like you build up your confidence you build up your knowledge you go and the next thing you know we'll throw some crazy term at you like oh I know what you're talking about I got that and next thing you know they're buying 500 shares of snap on margin (laughs) 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 a bunch of put options I'm not I can't imagine that's definitely what Chris is advocating (laughs) I I would not recommend that but it's your money if you want to do that Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm loving all of this live from podcast movement stuff, aren't you? Yeah, except for one giant glaring omission, Joe. Nobody invited the real star of the show. Jeez. Okay, but hey, let's not dwell on the obvious because I'm the consummate professional in this organization. Let's just move past that to your trivia. Some are saying podcasting is the new, new thing. But back in the day, Music videos were the new, new thing. Back when videos actually played on MTV, what song was the first music video ever played on the channel? I'll be back with the answer in just a moment. We're so happy we found out about Emperor Investments and thanks to them for supporting our podcast. Emperor Investments is a new tech-driven investment platform looking to shake up the investing space. And they're giving all of us, Stacky Benjamin's family, personalized all equity portfolios fee-free for six months. Emperor's portfolios comprise some of the largest and best-known dividend-paying U.S. companies. Emperor Investments is a lifestyle investment company. That means they understand that investors have different goals and dreams. Maybe it's a new house, dream vacation, retirement, maybe your own basement that you can podcast out of, right? Emperor's platform creates customized portfolios designed to help you meet all those life goals. Emperor invests solely in individual dividend-paying stocks, giving you a tailored portfolio. To take advantage of this exclusive offer just for us, visit emperorinvestments.com forward slash SB and select Stacky Benjamin's podcast under How Did You Hear About Emperor during sign-up. That's emperorinvestments.com forward slash SB. Thanks again to Emperor Investments for supporting Stacky Benjamins. We're also supported by Magnify Money, our longest time sponsor. And the reason why we love Magnify Money is simple. It's because you can compare, ditch, switch, and save on more products there than on any site online. So you might hear me typing right now as I do about once a week. We take a look at what savings accounts pay. So it's easy. It's magnifiedmoney.com forward slash stacking Benjamins. It defaults to balance transfers. I'm going to go over to savings accounts 
and get personalized offers. I click that button and look at what happens. It brings it up 2.05 is the top interest rate that Salem 5 Direct and they get a grade of B on their fine print score. Uh, the minimum deposit is only one penny and there's eight user reviews so you can take a look at how other people like it. Poplar Direct is second at 2%, but they get an F on their fine print score. Pierpoint Financial's third at 1.9%. That takes a $10,000 minimum deposit and they get a C. Synchrony's next at 1.81, Mutual 1, 1.81, SFGI Direct, uh, 1.81, and then Dollar Savings Direct at 1.8, Marcus by Goldman Sachs, 1.8, Sally May, 1.75, Ally Bank, 1.75, FNBO Direct, 1.75, and American Express. Personal Savings, Discover, 1.75, Quorum, 1.75. And then uh, down from there. See how easy that was? So easy. And not just on savings accounts, by the way. You can compare and save, whether it's on balance transfers, cashback rewards, 0% interest credit cards, if you're trying to get the man off your back when it comes to interest. I'll tell you the danger of these 0% interest cards, though. You got to cut up the current card and make sure you solve the real problem, which is your spending problem. Don't get a 0% card and then have two cards maxed out. Anyway, checking into accounts, savings accounts, personal loans, student loan refinance, parent plus loan refinance, auto loans. It's all here. Check it out. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnified money tells them that we sent you as mom says. Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. Let's keep this party rolling, shall we? Here was today's question. Back when videos were played on MTV, what was the first music video? If you guessed that the answer was the Buggles hit video killed the radio star, I'd love to shake your hand. Hey, but make sure you wash your hands first because as Joe's mom says, I do not know where that hand has been, buddy. See ya. You hit that one out of the park, OG. So we deep fly ball way back it's out of here i love hearing how on all three of those shows by the way thanks to chris joel and mindy for hanging out with us how every audience is thinking about some other things and i love the spectrum now and the ever-increasing spectrum of financial shows well it just goes to show that there's 15,000 ways to get where you want to go, right? And there's no exact right answer. There's a whole bunch of really stupid things. And I think a lot of people agree on the stupid things, but you can continue to niche down and find more and more specialization. And in our podcasting business, you know, we're seeing that more and more. It's great. Yeah. And by the way, if we ever figure out where we're going with this show, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. We will. Well, speaking of podcasters, let's get back on it. And also speaking of uh, Philip Taylor, PT, as we call him, the guy that hosts FinCon, you know, last year, as you know, OG, they opened it up to the community. And even if you're not somebody who's in media, you were able to come to FinCon. So I sat down with PT and asked him about this year in Orlando for people that are going to be in that area or for people that want to come to Orlando. Is this year's FinCon something that maybe our listeners might want to come to and Here's my discussion with him. And here with me at the FinCon booth, Mr. FinCon himself, Philip Taylor, as we call him, PT. That's it, Joe. It's great to be with you. I'm losing my voice already. Uh Uh-oh. 
It's only day two. I know, I know. And we still have to do the roundtable portion, so guess what, everybody? You're getting Joe with less and less voice. This is every every year, every time I do this. It just gets better and better. It does. So this is exciting being here at Podcast Movement. Obviously, everybody's heard from a bunch of people that have been on the show before, but a bunch of our listeners went to FinCon last year, and people are going to have an opportunity to come to FinCon this year. Tell me about that. Yeah, so last year, if you remember, we did Your Money Live at FinCon, sort of an event within the event. And this year, we decided it was best just to kind of open the whole thing up to the community, to folks who are from the general public who don't have a podcast or blog themselves, but who just are generally interested in personal finance or want to be around their favorite podcaster, Joe Saul C. High, and be at the show the whole time and experience that. That's awesome. And so what do those tracks look like? We're calling it the Community Pass, and really you get access to the entire event. So you can't come to the digital marketing you know, tracks, but we have some specifically designed for folks who are from the general public. And that track mainly is the, uh, there's two main tracks. So there's one is called the Money Conversations track. So it's all about personal finance, investing, financial independence, those kind of topics. About eight uh, different sessions we'll have on that. And then we also have what's called our Financial Innovation track. So you'll learn about kind of new cutting edge technologies, cryptocurrencies, business credit. Uh, we've got a couple of others on that track. So Financial innovation and the money conversations track is probably where you'd want to hang your tra- hang your hat if you were coming to the sessions. And then, of course, we have our keynotes, which is, is uh, Rachel Cruz and Chris Hogan, who people I'm sure will be excited to hear, listen from. I'm excited. I can't yeah. wait. Yep. Now, those money conversation tracks, those are also, guys, put on by people in the FinCon community that you've probably already heard on the show, a lot of them. Do we have any of the names yet for people who are going to put those on? Absolutely. So just off the top of my head, some that have come to mind are Mindy Jensen from Bicker Pockets, as yes. well as uh, Brandon Turner, who's also from that company. Yes. And then we've got Mr. Money Mustache himself. Not familiar with that name. <laughs> no idea who that is. The man, the myth, the legend <laughs> who's going to come talk on our Money Conversations track is MMM, as I like to call him. I don't know why I call him that. but <laughs> Do you call him that to his face? <laughs> not really. Not really. <laughs> just for him, us. I just call him sir. You know? it's, it's our secret. Nobody <laughs> listens to the show. So, yeah. And then I think uh, we also have Paula Pant on that track as well. And then, of course, the Choose Five guys. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So lots of good podcasters and cool, cool we folks. We had a great meetup with those guys here in Philadelphia. Had a great time. And thanks for coming to that, by the way. Absolutely. That man, was fun. fantastic. And by the way, if you're coming to Orlando and you come a night early... We'll have tickets on sale in the next week for our live show. $10. We're at the Improv. We've been putting together, PT, our Tonight Show band. We can now state who the band is going to be. It looks like it's going to be Andrew Wang from Inspired Money. Harlan Landis, who plays about everything, Mr. Plutus Awards, is going to be there. And Miranda Marquit, who is my co-host on the Money Tree podcast, uh, said she's going to play the tambourine. So so that's going to be a fun part of the live show, and we've got a great script for that, but we'll have details. But let's talk about details for people that want more about the community track at FinCon. Yeah, more information about the conference in general can be found at FinConExpo.com. But, uh, Joe, I know you created a special link, so folks can go through that. Absolutely. For tickets, go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash FinCon, F-I-N-C-O-N. It's really easy. That's it. We'd love to have you there joining with us. That's awesome. We want FinCon to eventually become the the, uh, Comic-Con of money, you know, where it's just an entire week celebration of 
of personal finance and investing and financial freedom. You know, after last year, I already think of it that way. <laughs> it was crazy when D one got up there and he's yep. crowd surfing. Yep, yep. So we're we're shooting for that, man. The more the merrier. So we'd love to have you. Thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. That's exciting, huh? There you go. If you're in Orlando in September, come on by. Well, and here's what you do. You come a day early because Mm -hmm. that's when our show is going to be, the day before FinCon in Orlando. And by the way, we have a bunch of announcements. Number one, you just heard Chris Browning on this show. Chris Browning is going to be our opening act with his Popcorn Finance show. So yeah, we're going to start off with an episode of Popcorn Finance Live, and then our show live is going to feature Michelle Schroeder-Gardner, who paid off over $30,000 in debt in a very short time and did something that a lot of people have struggled with. She created an award-winning online property, works for herself. You know where she lives now? She lives on a sailboat. Mm-hmm. And she's going to talk- That's cool. Yeah, she's going to talk about finding financial independence, paying off debt, and she shares her income every month on her blog, Making Sense of Sense. She will be our star in Orlando, along with a host of characters, including our friends Paula Pant, Harlan Landis, and Andrew Wang, among others. But speaking of others, a guy who I absolutely love, Vincent Puglise, was not only at our meetup in Philadelphia, We also talked to him about his road trip. If you remember, OG, when he came down to the basement a few months ago, talking about freelancing to freedom, he was on his way out West with his family, spending a few months on the road. And I wondered how that went because it was an experiment to see if a family could just spend the winter together traveling and and, uh, having fun. And also he was thanking all the people that promoted his, his book. And let's go to that audio with Vincent. You'll meet anybody at a podcasting conference. Vincent Puglisi is here, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm, I'm better now that I'm talking to you. Uh, we're together. So you came by the basement partway through this huge epic trip you guys were taking. How did it end up? It ended up tired. We were going to go. We weren't sure two to four months. It wound up right around three. When we saw you, it was fresh. We were probably a week into it. And the kids were still... It was great. We went, I think, 23 states. We stayed in Arizona for a month, California for a month, and Utah and Colorado. And by the time we got past the mountains towards the Midwest, it was like everybody's kind of like, okay, let's let's wrap this thing up and get, get refreshed and go back home. So we've been home for a little bit and we're playing the next leg. But that's cool. For people that didn't hear your interview on the show, and um, I love this follow-up. By the way, we'll link to your appearance on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. But tell people about your trip because it was really cool. It was during the school year and you and the kids and your spouse, who's, by the way, way better than you, you guys hit the road. Yeah, it was this idea where, and you're absolutely right, she's way better than me. I got very lucky. I was publishing a book, Freelance to Freedom, that was coming out January 2nd, and I didn't want to, I never wanted to do everything like everybody else says to do it. So instead of doing, you know, book signings and stuff, so why don't we just go on the road? And why don't we go thank the people that helped us out? It was the complete, you know, like, okay, we had, I mean, people like yourself, we met and Roger and Pat Flynn, all these people that had endorsed the book and helped out with the book. Why don't we go on the road, make a family adventure out of this while thanking the people that helped us. So, you know, we got to stop by Dan Miller and Dave Ramsey and you and Roger and Pat and Seth Godin, the people that John Lee Dumas, the people that helped us out and build it in so the kids can kind of see 
what all the effort that we put in and the people that helped us get here and we get to have a family adventure and we homeschool so that's what made it possible yeah. in, in the winter so um yeah it was a real unbelievable experience and also you're in pittsburgh right yes so it was a great idea to go in the winter too to get away from a little bit of cold there it was we kept watching the weather we try not to laugh at everybody living back but it's like it's snowing every other day but the problem was we got back april 2nd thinking okay now we'll be home and spring will be starting and it was miserable for the first month and i was like <laughs> i'm moving i said i said we were in california on the beach for a month and now we're in april in pittsburgh and it's so no we don't even we didn't even see our neighbors for the first week because nobody comes out of their house i'm like i can't i can't do this so we just booked a place in arizona for three months for this winter and then we'll travel all around awesome. from there. You talk a lot in your book about becoming frugal and your quest, the two of you, your quest to become frugal. Did you find that this trip was a frugal adventure or was it a big expense? It was a little bit of both. On the grand scheme of it, it was a big expense. But at the same time, like my parents, you know, my parents went through a lot of hard times and they're doing well now. My mom still, she's looking at the prices of everything. Like I think it's, I think once you go through it and you deal with some serious money issues and, and having very little, I think it's hard for us to be like, oh, yeah, let's just blow a bunch of money. But it's very strategic in what we do. We know that this is an experience that we wanted. It wasn't about, we didn't come back with stuff. We came back with memories. And that's what we wanted. So we, when we talk about it, we're sitting around the house like about Colorado or Utah or the people that we met. And just to give the kids a, a sense of diversity of like the world doesn't revolve around our house. There's people, you know, we're in Las Vegas and seeing homeless people on the bridge and like giving them money and just kind of the world's much more diverse than what they might think. There's people living and working in their mom's basement is what you're there saying. There are and we, when we got to be there, <laughs> right. which was such a great experience to be one of the few to be in the basement. <laughs> and I just wanted to just credit you. Your family is just unbelievable. Your son was, I mean, you guys don't know, like Nick, he took our kids around was just I mean he, we would hire him to, to watch the kids he was so the kids loved him so that's funny you're too nice man no you're awesome that was very fun I'm so glad you stopped by and it was great catching up with you oh thanks so much so funny thing about Vincent you know I met him when he was in the basement of course but then I didn't really get a lot of time to hang out with him so at the meetup in Philadelphia I said hi to him and he goes yeah we've met and I go right sure and then we're talking a little bit and then I kind of make my way around the room He's standing there again, but I don't know it's him. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm OG. And he goes, right, we've met now twice. <laughs> but funny story is that uh, we were talking about, you know, where I grew up and that sort of thing. And he goes, interesting connection to your hometown. And he went on to tell a story about how after college, he actually worked in the town that I grew up in for a summer, took a job there uh, after he got done with school. And it's amazing to me, like how everything comes around full circle, right? You go, oh, I'm from this little town. You've never heard of it. He goes, try me. I tell him, he goes, funny story. Let me tell you about how I used to work in that town. The funny You're thing like, about oh, him, crap. though, is even if he hadn't, he's been everywhere. As uh, well, true. people that don't know Vincent's story, because we also didn't talk about it just now, we'll share a link to his interview on our show notes, like I said. But when you're an award-winning sports photographer like he is, he's been everywhere. Kind of been everywhere. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can intern with him for the Super Bowl. It's incredible. Yeah. Can I? Uh, I, I promise I'll just tag along. Good stuff there. Well, and I promise not to take Tom Brady's jersey. It was, it was great seeing everybody at Yards Brewing. Thanks to all the people that we were able to get audio from. And actually, you know what? Doug's going to thank everybody we talked to, the long list of people. But thanks everybody that came and hung out with us. So, Doug, take it from here, man. Is there anything we should have learned today? So, what did we learn today? First, ever wonder if those Federal Reserve meetings have anything to do with your life? If you're borrowing or saving money, yes! 
While you don't need to pay attention to every detail, keeping up with the Fed can be both entertaining and maybe even a little educational. Hey, do we advocate that on this show? Edu- edumacation? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think so. Okay, second, fighting debt. So are millions of other people. Ignore the myths about leaving a balance on your credit card and pay it off. Being debt-free is way more important than worrying about your credit score anyway. But the big lesson? Don't let Joe and OG go to a meetup in Philly without you. There was beer and I wasn't invited? I could have been signing autographs all night. Man, you even gave out t-shirts without me signing them first. Jeez, you guys are amateurs. Come on! Special thanks to... Whoa, that is a long list. You know what? We'll just have everyone from Jordan Harbinger to Mindy Jensen, along with their podcasts and how to listen, listed on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com, yada, yada, yada. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. This is the after show. Part of the show that doesn't exist. Shh. Don't tell anybody, people. You saw a movie and I saw a movie. We're going to try to use my movie pass, baby. <laughs> did you see the stock? Did you see what they did? They did a 250 to 1 reverse stock split and it back kept to going 30. down. And it kept going down. And then it went back down to 2. <laughs> if you look at the like long long term at one point in time, split adjusted. The stock was trading at twenty five thousand a share, and now it's at two bucks. Well, that was a couple of days ago. It is. Uh, I couldn't use it for my movie. It was. It was. Gr- it was actually grayed out. They had that. They added that new search. Yeah, they said they weren't going to. They, they weren't going to let you do it for Mission Impossible this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I or couldn't. last couple weekends ago. Or well, well, now you gave yeah. away what I what I went to see. So everybody knows what I want to see. But let's do yours first. You went yeah. to, you went to see this uh, little known guy. How do you pronounce this? Denzel. First time to Turkey? No, no, no. Long time ago. Different life. Now you come back? Yes. I'm looking for something. 
You can find whatever you wish in Turkey. How about a man who kidnapped a little girl from her American mother? Would not be looking for such a man. Would be dangerous for you. Men like him would think that. And Denzel proceeds to uh, make a mess on a train. Clean up, mm, yes. clean, clean up an aisle three. I hated this movie. And it's, it's totally my kind of movie. And I hated it. It was so boring. It was ridiculous. The first one was so good. This one, the storyline was all over the place. I hate to say it, but if you watch the previews, you kind of saw a lot of the good parts. It was really disjointed. He had like different, you know he's working as a Lyft driver and he's got this whole thing going on. And then he's got the the relationship uh, with his uh, community going on where he lives. And then we find out that, you know, he's also got another whole thing going on. It was stupid. Don't go see this movie. I'm really disappointed because I was looking forward to this one, but I should know better. A July release of an action flick ought to tell you everything you need to know about how good it is. I don't know. I went to see an action flick that was released in July. Okay, well, mine sucked. What was yours? Uh, what do you think? It would, I mean, I already well, said it was Mission Impossible. Yeah, but. let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of this. Is, this stars a guy named what? Tom Cruise? Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Your mission. Should you choose to accept it? I wonder. Did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout of all your good intentions. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. And that's when the craziness starts. It is Alec Baldwin's IMF, which includes, of course, Tom Cruise's character, Ethan Hunt, uh, Mm -hmm. against Angela Bassett's CIA. They're having a little internal struggle about who's really in charge, who's going to go get the bad guy. Of course, they find out a bunch of stuff early in the movie about the bad guy. This movie's two hours and 20 minutes long. And to keep it short, I, I see... You need a break in the middle. Do they call time out halfway through so you can uh, go get a fresh popcorn and Coke? I'm a 50-year-old man. I needed a fresh bladder halfway through. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yes. So I was trying to be PC about it, but... <laughs> yeah. So you went right to it. Everybody else knew what I was talking about, but you had to spell it I out. Just chapter not, and verse. Not, not so subtle. Uh, I missed all the cues. But speaking of that, I think that this movie, though, hit all the cues. Every time I thought the plot was going right, it went left every time. And it's funny, you know who the bad dude is very early on. And I think it's really cool that they telegraph that, even though it's hidden behind their back, but you keep seeing him kind of peek and you're like, yeah, he's really the bad guy. I mean, and I hope this isn't a spoiler if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, so don't spoil it. Well, but I really don't even think it's a spoiler because I was with a group of five people. All of us were like, yeah, from the beginning, we knew that was the bad guy. Like, yeah, like that totally was the person. And, uh, and it didn't matter. 
because all the other plot twists throughout the film kept you in it. It did feel, it's funny. It felt long, um, but it felt, but it felt good. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a good movie that didn't sound good, did it? But it was really fun. I enjoyed the ride and mission impossible. You know, they're going on and on, on their trailers about how it's getting all these thumbs up. Well, add mine to the mix. Usually I see these big theatrical releases and you and I've talked about this before, OG, where I kind of think that films sometimes are able to skew that. Um, they're able to kind of work with people. I feel like sometimes the reviews are fake and maybe this one is too. I still thought it was a really fun ride and uh, well, we're seeing mission impossible. Great so see time. mission impossible, not equalizer Two. Tom Cruise looks old. Well, he is old. He, so. he, he doesn't look super old, but he's not that much older than me. I can't. I know. That's I what I said. I can't believe. Oh, no, look at you. All right. Uh, we're going to end it there before I flip the table. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.